Welcome to Taking the High Road, a Driver Reach and Freight Waves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. Uh, appreciate all the feedback on the show. Please remember to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you use to listen. Now, this week, I'm excited to be joined by a good friend and industry entrepreneur, Timothy Henry, CEO and co-founder of Hall, a new and interesting approach to solving the driver shortage challenge. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Great to see you. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Now, you've built something really interesting. Uh, technology continues to evolve, uh, so I'm looking forward to unpacking what you've created and how you're helping carriers address their driver shortage challenges. Uh, not only would I like to you know, learn how Hall is a great tool for carriers, but also for drivers, for CDL drivers. So hopefully you can you know, break it on down for everybody. And, uh, and of course, I also want to make sure we answer a question from one of our listeners during our Deeper Dive segment. So are you ready to get started? I'm ready. All right, cool. Well, uh, as you can see behind me, you know, lots of books. I love to read. I love to read. I love, I love a physical book. I love Audible and so on. But uh, for you, do you prefer books or podcasts? Yeah, I would say my go-to are podcasts. Okay, yeah. fair. Is there is there Easy any 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 particular podcast that really that you just you can't wait for the next episode that really maybe inspire you or um, that you just really enjoy? Yeah, I, I, there's one podcast that I typically that merge my interests of podcasts with that as the medium I enjoy as I inject information in my head and my interest in uh, Mountain Adventure, which is a podcast called Uphill Athlete. It's uh, um, uh, sponsored by two gentlemen. Um, pretty accomplished in the mountains, both on the alpinism side. And they wrote a book called uh, Training for the New Alpinist. And that became uh, a big bestseller for people who, like myself, like to recreate in the mountains. And they found that there is a, there's a gap in just training for the mountains. You know, I think as a climber, as my first, I would say my first love, mm -hmm. um, I found that, you know, all, all the, the traditional wisdom was just climb more, you'll get better. But as as you take more of a, a methodical approach to improving climbing, you know, you can take a lot of the same programming techniques to that, you know, to be a better runner, uh, to run that marathon or to to be a better lifter and apply those same techniques to mountain sports. So it's a podcast I really enjoy. They talk to a lot of people I look up to and, you know, aspire to maybe accomplish one tenth of what they've done. And yeah, again, I think, uh, the uh, to aspire to something even if you fall short i think it's worth doing so it's podcasts i really enjoy nice and you you've got some uh some little mountains near you don't you didn't you just relocate yeah yeah i was able to ski my way to denver um i i would say um six months in and i've been really enjoying it uh, I, i've been trying to get out to colorado um since undergrad and um i think like many people with covid it kind of shook shook their life and prioritized a few things and my partner and i really decided hey i think we're in a stressful time that we're still in you know being on a trail on a hike or skiing down something or even just going on a hike with the pup is is something that uh, we want to have in our daily life so yeah it, i'm really excited and you know that podcast has been actually listened to more now that you know now i really want to do some some bigger objectives here in Colorado. So it's been, uh, it's been a great change of pace. I've been very fortunate. 
Well, let's switch gears. Let's let's get down uh, and let's talk about what Hall is all about, but uh, and, and get into business. But you know, you talk, you mentioned undergrad. Tell me, how did you even get into the trucking industry? You know, kind of what's your background? Where where what brought you here? Yeah, I would say uh, uh, many many turns, uh, but it was really simple. Um, you know, I born and raised in Chicago. Um, I went to a small liberal arts school, really no idea what I wanted to do in my career. I, I knew that um, I wanted to work in business. Um, I, after undergrad, I found myself as an unpaid intern at uh, what was called at that time was new to me, a, a venture capital fund called Lightbank. That was um, the founders of that uh, fund, early backers of uh, the founders of Groupon and Echo Global Logistics that were kind of closer to our world. Um, but I was working for one of their portfolio companies um, that was right down the hallway uh, to Echo. I actually was started a company called Fudo. was started by a couple of uh, Echo managers. Um, that that time, you know, with a logistics company like Echo down the down the hallway with my friends going to work at companies like Coyote, C.H. Robinson. At this time, Coyote was the place to work at in Chicago. They were, you know, all my friends who went to, you know, the classic Big Ten schools, maybe in fraternity, sorority, uh, wanted to make, you know, as much money as an iBanker and saw freight brokerage as an opportunity to, you know, fulfill those dreams, you know, found them. And the work culture at Coyote, I think the, uh, you know, I think they should do a anthropological research on, like, how they, made, how they made that culture such a competitive advantage. But anyway, you know, I, I noticed that the, all my friends who were working at this thing called a freight brokerage were buying the drinks when I really didn't have two pennies to rub together. So that was my first uh, uh, relationship to logistics and transportation. And it wasn't until I joined a company uh, called Logistical Labs in Chicago, which was one of the first SaaS uh, companies uh, I, I would say when Logistical Labs first started, this is 2013, my, uh, my coworker, Chris, and I stood out at the TIA just because we were young. You know, there was just not much innovation going on. And our, our focus was around pricing. The TMS lacked uh, any sort of module to help price, um, help a freight brokerage or asset-based carrier to price a new load opportunity. They had to run to DAT or run to Chainalytics or run to Internet Truck Stop to kind of figure out what the cost, what should he actually price the opportunity? We saw there's a gap in that market. So Logistic Labs, which is still around, and I'm still a big advocate, um, you know, look to consolidate and create a pricing engine, not only for a full truckload, but for intermodal and et cetera. So that's how I got into, into transportation. It was uh, one beer that opened my eyes to kind of this bigger culture of logistics in Chicago. And then me dumb luck, find myself at a startup college school labs. And um, what I've learned there, you know, the relationships, the network I built, I'm still, um, I'm still uh, benefiting of. So it, it was a truly a luck of the draw for me, but um, I think just being young, right timing and seeing supply chain, getting the attention I was seeing, it was like, cool. Like I I'm excited, you know? So that, I think that's kind of the, you know, how I got to logistics and transportation. So tell me, uh, tell, tell tell the listeners about Hall. What is Hall, you know, and, and how is it a unique solution to the driver shortage challenge? Yeah, no, thanks for giving me the opportunity to just, uh, you know, spray a little bit about what we're building. It's what all I think about. But, 
you know, I think if we even just zoom out a little bit, Hall is really playing into the overarching problem that everyone is seeing in the supply chain, which is workforce. You know, whether we're talking about drivers, whether we're talking about forklift operators, material handlers, port workers, uh, I think what we've learned is, you know, major bottleneck to the supply chain has to do with labor. Um, and, you know, my co-founder Tuan and I decided to really focus on the driver. Um, we think that uh, we think that the CDL rack is a very unique, uh, very, very unique position in the supply chain. You know, it's it's highly credentialized. It's it's uh, a persona that is interesting to build around. Um based on the labor behaviors, et cetera. So, you know, when Tuan and I first said, okay, labor and supply chain is broken, where should we focus on? We said, okay, let's focus on the CDL. It's on top of everyone's mind. There's a lot of different ways people, you know, like yourself are, are really looking to provide fleets the, the, a better tool set to find the right driver to operate their truck. Um, for us, we decided, hey, like, I think there's something more fundamentally wrong with with the with the how the employment model of the driver. So we're all as its current you know current state is you know on demand platform for CDL drivers. And if we dig into that, what is that really? You know, we're providing drivers the uh, a different employment model in trucking. You know, we're leveraging a traditional offline model of staffing, which provides us the legal framework to essentially to onboard credentialize. CDL drivers onto our platform and allow them to choose assignments of their liking, which I don't know if you agree with me. It's, it's a, in a world where the CDL is the most scarce resource, they don't really, they don't really get asked for work. They don't get to choose their work. Like from an assignment level, they, they essentially go through the, the same um, recruitment funnel. But when they, you know, when they go to that orientation, they are saying they're told, okay, you're going to do that. Which, you know, and for me, I thought that was an interesting dynamic. So we decided, hey, how can we give drivers who are running to the gig economy, because there's different feature sets there that they are catching their attention. How can we bring some of that back into the world of the CDL driver? So, yeah, that's that's what we're building. I'm, I'm really excited to kind of dig into what we've built, you know, traction we've seen to date. But yeah, that's yeah. The kind of the, the, the sandbox we're playing in. Nice. Well, that, you know, my background uh, prior to driver reach for 15 years, I owned a, a driver staffing company and, uh, and, and grew and, and had a lot of success there. So I'm, I'm really passionate about that too. So I can relate. And I, and I think the timing is right. And I think maybe it sounds like the model is right because there, there have been attempts before um, to do this in a 1099 type of model that seemed to, you know, kind of going down that gig economy path, uh, but, you know, highly regulated industry like we're in, that's really difficult. It sounds like this is more of a staffing model than a versus a, a 1099 model. Is that correct? No, totally. And just to give you the, the origin story, you know, my co-founder and I, we, we, were, we were in California um, pre-COVID thinking about this idea, right when AB5 was on top of everyone's mind. Uh, and, and so openly, you know, our, you know, we were like, well, maybe we should stay away from this 1099 where, you know, we still had coworkers at, at Uber and, you know, friends of friends at DoorDash figuring out like, oh crap, what's going to happen to our business? So we're, you know, we told ourselves, hey, like W2 is pretty flexible, right? You may take on some administrative burden, but, you know, we saw that is 
the if, if really all you're comparing apps apps is 1099 versus w2 and that's your competitive moat i we saw like a lot of warehousing plays essentially have to fold up shop in california um, because of their employment status and we said i, I mean that's what we said we never want to be caught like that so let's let's just start with w2 um and it, again and you know there's very tactical reasons why but it's Again, technology is there to really manage the administrative burden that I think a lot of people paint around the two conflicting models. So what are some of the primary uh, challenges that you face regarding adoption, you know, from from customers and drivers? Because I I realize that driver qualification file, you know, compliance, that's a big part of it. So, you know, if you can kind of maybe talk through that and how you how you account for that or or or. or just, you know, what are some of the challenges that you face? Is that one of them? Yeah, you know, you're, you you run a young company. There's so many challenges. Not even just from the service you provide, but from building. And I think building in COVID has been a, a wild challenge uh, just to start off. So, um, you know, I think when you build, you know, we we define ourselves as a managed marketplace. Anytime you build anything where you're def- making people. Co- you know, change their previous operating procedure to a new one. It's going to take time, right? And I think you know, marketplace one on one. Don't force both sides to change. Just focus on one. So you know, our initial our initial um, friction was, you know, how do we how do we you know sort how do we allow a driver to get totally credentialized on a mobile first application, right? Um, how do we you know we didn't want to use an off-the-shelf product. You know, we wanted to build that organically because there's a lot of benefit there from just from our motion. So one, we had a, you know, we had to build a lot of unique technology for us to essentially credentialize a driver um, on our tooling. A lot of unique integrations from a <clears throat> from a qualification standpoint, but add a lot of a lot of automation from credentialing on our side. You know, I think historically, you know, credentialing of a driver is I would say not historically still is very manual, manual at best. And, um, and there's tons of great technology, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing forward, uh, you know, to rethink the, you know, the ATS and, and as it relates to trucking um, for us, you know, we think it's, it's kind of a means to end, like we need a credentialized driver on the platform in order for them to conduct themselves. Right. It's a, it's a, we want, we, we essentially, this driver needs this on their own behalf to apply to any of these assignments so we've, you know, we've essentially built a lot of automation around that. You know, I think, um, and it's only going to get better with more and more drivers. You know, we leverage a lot of automation, image recognition software, because as you know, there's a lot of document handling going on. Um, but yeah, and but at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we're auditing ourselves. And so, we, you know, we do the classic self-auditing, right? Like if we can't test ourselves, who will test us, right? And so, yeah, so maybe to your, you know, to your question, you know, that is, that's kind of the secret sauce is really, really allowing us to credentialize a driver in automation, in an automated way. So, you know, they can essentially find value off the platform. That's kind of table stakes, the credentialing side for us. The value is this, this, this platform of assignments that a driver can work between in a given week, a month, a year. That's the value. Mm-hmm. Um for a number of different customers, right? For a number of different carriers. That's the idea. That's kind of that staffing model gone completely digital. And 
So we can get in details a little bit of how it works. So a driver downloads the, the native mobile app, right? Um, yeah. And, and you know, full disclosure, I downloaded the app, uh, you know, knowing that we were going to be chatting. I did that. And yeah. I got to be honest with you, it's slick. I mean, really good applicant experience. Uh, and that's so important. So important yeah. today. Um, sadly, that's not always the case. And that's something that, you know, we as a, as a, as a provider as well, you know, it's, it's never ending because you're always wanting to anything never I can ending. do to tweak and improve that. Um, but so, so the driver downloads, uh, 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 the, the native mobile app and then yeah. what happens next? And, you know, kind of, if you could describe a little bit about what that experience yeah, is. Yeah, totally. The so from the, you know, the whole driver app, you know, they download the app, they create an account and that really kickstarts the funnel with them. Um, you know, we have a lot of automation to nudge a driver through the funnel. Um, a lot, of, but you know, to keep this in mind, like we've had these in our pocket for a long time, right? A lot of a lot of people use mobile phones, um, and just to kind of like table stakes, like what historically are we building? You know, a lot of our incumbent competitors, you know, offline models. You know, we're typically a driver shows up to the office, fills out a paper application. So we're dealing with that. You know, we have to in, in, uh, essentially create a sense of trust. So we do have people reach out to drivers and say, you know, hey, Tim or hey, Jeremy, thanks for joining the platform. This is what you're going to do next. Because at the end of the day, we're, 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 we're playing with someone's livelihood. At the end of the day, we're giving them a job to pay the bills, right? So this is not just like robo and forget it. It's, no, we need an injection of human touch because again, this is human capital management 101. So we have someone, a team reach out, just really educate the driver what's about to happen next. Because fundamentally, this is a major shift Mm -hmm. from what they historically have done, even with whether it's a staffing agent or a traditional trucking company, like this is different. So we do have to do a bit of education. Once a driver submits, you know, then the mobile phone takes over, submit your credentials, schedule yourself for a, um, a drug screen. You know, we help, uh, you know, essentially direct a driver to uh, a local uh, uh, testing facility. You know, once we have that pulled back, we lock, we create that file for the driver, you know, and it's FMCSA, DOT standard. You know, you really can't, you know, it's just is what it is. Um, but once we lock that up, that driver now, it, we unlock assignments for that driver on the platform. Um, so that that that's kind of like onboarding, assignment discovery. But, but once a driver is on the platform, you know, we it, we constantly nudge a driver based on the preference that they submit on the platform. Like, hey, you know, this this job in Stockton, California, paying X amount of dollars is aligned with your preferences, you know? You may want to take a look at it, you know, so a driver can click in job request. And if the driver's already certified, we just connect them with the fleet mm -hmm. and we get out of it. Right. Like, why do we play phone tag when, you know, I, I, I kind of akin it to Airbnb. It would be really weird when you like go book that that uh, that place in Tahoe and you had someone called you up and say, OK, this is what's next. It's like, no, let's just connect the fleet and the driver and let the fleet then conduct themselves. So we're ultimately trying to get out of the middle as much as we can and let the technology take over. And then so from a carrier perspective, do the carriers need to download an app as well? Or are they are most are they usually are they doing it mostly online or how does that work? Yeah. So on, on the on the fleet side, you know, we we deployed a, just a, a web based module for them to essentially post an assignment um, Post the assignment, manage how many job requests have come in, um, actually schedule interviews with the driver, 
approve or deny the driver. You know, we have, you know, when we first built this, we, we learned that the person who has the keys to the castle here is the safety team. So we had to really build for that persona. Like if I'm a safety manager and all I think about is risk, um, I need to make sure, and this is different. We had to go against what their current traditional model was, which was looking at a PDF attachment to an email and like looking for the right, you know, they're looking for what's going to, what meets my men's. So, you know, our first step was like cleaning that up, adding some basic UX to it. You know, as, as much as it sounds simple from like the consumer world, this does, you know, when you think about UX design, like that doesn't really come into mind. Historically, never came into mind of, of trucking and transportation. So we spent a lot of time just making sure the right information, the right, uh, the right information that really mattered most to the fleet was highlighted um, and that they can constantly have access to that that driver profile while that driver's in their truck, but also when the driver's no longer for any auditing purposes. And um, but yeah, that that's kind of you know we built a lot more features on the fleet portal. But you know, it's yeah, if you guess it, it would probably have it when it relates to managing a third party driver in their truck. What type of uh, fleets or carriers are you having the most success with today? Yeah, good question. I think, uh, you know, the three bucket segments and um, that we really have gone after are three PLs, you know, three PLs have, uh, have been really strong adopters, right? And you have to think about their world, right? They went, they sold this dedicated trans deal, they committed to having X amount of drivers at this location, moving this, moving their freight, but what happens, you know, drivers call off, drivers quit, demand surge and they know they're no longer at plan so that's where they really lean on on a haul to really help them with those kind of just-in-time needs but what we're also seeing is kind of um, management and we can get into it like the future state of haul and just kind of the broader supply chain workforce management we see as the opportunity is is not only managing an external driver but is also managing our own drivers which is what we're seeing is just you know, what, what we've seen from both 3PLs, private fleets, and for hire carriers is that they're not really good at managing their own drivers. In a world where it's the most scarce resource, they're using text messaging and whiteboards to really conduct themselves and asking their own drivers, hey, can you take this last shift? Or, hey, can you swap with this person? And, and ultimately, staffing has, is kind of like the last resort. So, you know, we've seen like We've seen an opportunity to go upstream, help with their own workforce management, but also uh, we, we've learned that a, a contingent workforce in a truck or in a warehouse or at the dock door, it's kind of just in, 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 in theme of what the supply chain experts are looking is resiliency. You know, we, we're hearing this constant word and, and I think COVID just exasperated what people was on people's mind, but we see Hall as a really building resiliency from a workforce perspective for a lot of these segments of fleets in the broader community. And I would, you know, again, coming from, it sounds like the types of carriers and, and fleets that are, uh, you're finding the most adoption with are maybe, maybe very similar to the types of carriers that a, a traditional staffing operation might. And I'm kind of putting my oh, totally. former staffing hat on and it's, well, I, give, of, I give them all the credit. I give them all because they've done the hardest thing, you know, I, and I'm writing their coattails. Like I'm the, I'm yep. a firm believer. Don't take credit that, you know, you didn't earn like you and, and existing incumbents. They've essentially sold this concept of a third party driver in a truck. And that is, 
gives people sometimes a little like goosebumps that they may like, you know, the safety guy or girl is like, what, what do you want? But again, in this time we live in is the, the word pragmatic comes to mind. Um, the word is resiliency comes to mind and fleets of all sizes of all kinds are starting to open up to the concept of contingency in the truck. Um, but they really don't have the right tooling for it, you know? And I think we're all, um, one is, is, is really leaning on what a lot of incumbents sold before us, but we're never able to capitalize on it. And in the sense of building the right tech to create a sense of trust, compliance, um, in the right places, right? So that's why leading with tech, showing our platform, having these unique integration points, you know, we're able to work with fleets that we're the first, we're the first vendor they've ever used. Um, so, and again, it's, it's, I think it's the right time, the acute pain point, the right time for technology adoption and the right integration points that we're benefiting from. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think of, I can't help but think of the old blockbuster model where they had buildings everywhere and so on. And then Netflix came along and said, Hey, I can make that process a lot better and far more scalable. So, so that's exciting. Uh, congratulations. Uh, last question real quick before we jump off is, uh, you know, what, what sort of traction are you seeing now and what do you think, what does 2022 look like for you? How, how excited are you? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I can't, keep but leaning on like you know obviously people COVID's still in our world but we've been building in a very weird time you know we started this the second week of march of 2020 right when COVID took over and um one we've benefited from it in the sense where uh it's pushed our product right you know you know Tawana and I come from Uber and we thought we we're gonna have like green light hubs or actual offices where drivers will come build community but with COVID we didn't have the luxury to do that we couldn't um one, we didn't know what COVID meant in the early days, but it forced us, our product forces us to just really focus on driver adoption, fleet adoption, really educate us on like, like to, what does actually demo look like? If we never met a fleet, like how do we really push our product and our technology to really curb a lot of these fears? Um, so what 2020 is exciting is, you know, I think this first month of the year has been a roller coaster at best, but I'm excited of actually like scaling the team uh, we'll we'll announce some updates in the coming weeks about Hall um, as relates to uh, a recent capital raise. Um, you know, so we are doubling down on what we've built, but we're also going to push the edge, right? We've learned that there is this space as relates to supply chain workforce management that no one's really owning. Like Hall is really, um, Hall's the only one really focused on it as relates to the driver. Because, uh, you know, when Tuan and I were, ran toward, you know, 2020, no one, no one was running towards labor. Everyone's running away from labor. We're going to optimize this. We're going to co-load that, you know, and, and AV was on top of everyone's mind. But now fast forward two years, you know, labor is on top of everyone's mind. People don't have the right tools to work with the modern industrial light workforce, especially in our supply chain. So we think there's a ton of green space. And, you know, obviously we're, we're geeked out on CD out, you know, drivers like, you know, again, I, I'm, it's it's our bread and butter, but, you know, we think we're going to really push, um, you know, push our product on the trucking side a bit further and then kind of see some interesting opportunities for us with some uh, with some early fleets and hopefully some new fleets we bring on later this year. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Tim. I'm, I'm excited to see how Hall continues to grow and evolve, and uh, it's an interesting approach, and, and I wish you an amazing year. 
Thanks, Jeremy. Good luck for you as well. And yeah, this is a really ex excellent time for us to build. And uh, yeah, it's our time to really kind of push boundaries on, on both our fronts. So appreciate the time. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Taking the Higher Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. Remember, you can submit any questions or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road.